Hi, my name is Monica from Newark, England, and you're listening to Between the Ladies. The Ladies are two educators on a journey to learn, share, and apply effective literacy practices. The podcast is part of their professional learning network for conversations to support, scale, and sustain literacy in the classrooms. Hi, this is Tracy Doe. And I'm Ashley McGrath, and you're listening to Between Between the the Ladies. Hi, Tracy. Hi, Ashley. Welcome back. We had a little uh, short hiatus from our podcasts. We stopped at our summer series, and here we are now. Yeah, probably about three weeks since we've last done a podcast, but I'm glad to be back with you side by side. Yes, I felt a little empty (laughs) not doing a podcast. I was like, something's different, and it was because we weren't meeting to work on our podcast. So but we are meeting other times also. We had a, we've been meeting a lot to do yes. a lot of planning. Yes. But one thing we did in terms of meeting is uh, we do have fun together. And so Ashley and I and some friends went to a Dodger game yesterday. Ashley, please tell our audience what you wore. <laughs> Ooh, I feel like this is confession time. As you know, I am from the Bay Area. My husband and our first date, that was a Giants game. We were Giants fans. But yesterday at the Giants v. Dodger game, I wore Dodger blue. I wore a Dodger shirt, a Dodger hat. I was decked out in all Dodger blue, which I think means I'm a full SoCal convert now. Yay! So Ashley is legitimately now a Dodger fan, which gives me another reason to hang out with her. (laughs) And I I mean, I would still hang out with her if she was a Giants fan, but she looks so cute. But yeah, you know, they still lost. So (laughs) they lost. The game was not that exciting. Yeah, it was kind of the most, probably one of the most boring games I've ever been to. But, you know, as a Dodger fan, you got to support. But But I had my first Dodger dog and we had frozen yogurt. And And then then we got tacos. Tacos Tacos afterwards at um, Avenue 26. Um, it may, that place might turn you off because it is located in a very, very dark alley, but it is totally worth the trip. Who doesn't like dark alleys? (laughs) And the tacos were very, very yummy. Not bad for dollar tacos. So they had so many different types of tacos and it was just watching the guys work so quickly getting the tacos ready for us. That's that's kind of pretty cool. It was worth it. So worth it. Tacos were fun. So we're entering our fifth week of school. Wow, already? I know, it has gone by so fast, yet we feel like the work is coming along, and yeah. So what have you been doing since then? Well, it is my first time in Roland Unified, so I'm thrilled to be working with my new team. Michelle and Stephanie are amazing, and Susan is amazing. Um, I love my school. It's my first time teaching kindergarten, and kindergarten is definitely kicking my butt. I'm learning a lot with the kindergartners. Um, definitely one of my kindergarten friends pooped on my rug last week. That's okay. It was okay. It's part of the experience, girl. So yep. Yep. <laughs> part of kindergarten. A um, couple friends came back to class after going to the bathroom without wearing pants, but we learned that after we go to the bathroom, we got to put our pants back on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, that's a definitely a thing you have to Life train skill. your kids. Yeah. Life skill. Um, and then we had an amazing back-to-school night. Um, Our site is trying something new, kind of trying to flip the script on back-to-school night. And one thing that I'm really loving about kindergarten is for some of our families, it's their first experience with um, their kids in in the public school system. And so really learning to navigate the school system with um, our new families is super exciting. So um, at my back-to-school night, the families came in, and they wrote out their hopes and dreams for their child and also shared 
um, their name story, um, the story of their child's name and why they chose that name, why it was important, which kind of goes along with um, our phonics unit, which we should talk about our punch party. Yes, we'll talk about our punch party. Also. Um, and then, so after they wrote, wrote down their stories, um, hopes and dreams in their home language, we came and we sat in a circle and I shared my own experience in school um, as an emergent bilingual myself, my family's own story of immigration. And in the circle, I didn't have any presentations, any paper, nothing like that. And we just had a real conversation about what it means for our children to be in school, what we really hope and dream for them. And we had conversations around marriage, divorce, miscarriage, family separation, immigration. And I felt like for the first time I was really having um, really authentic connections with families. Um, and I feel like especially in schools where we have transient populations, building those authentic connections were really, really important. Um, and I really enjoyed that back to school night and it was definitely a different experience um, for a lot of us. That's awesome. Like I've never thought about structuring back to school night that way, that way. And it's just a good way to connect with families and really understanding their story I saw also. So yeah. And you Tracy at Jellic. Okay. So I think the highlight would have to be that our teachers got another set of classroom libraries from TC. Yay! So this is awesome. So, um, so basically now teachers have about a thousand books in the More classroom. Than a yeah. So we got our first set in spring and our second set, thanks to our district, uh, came maybe a couple weeks ago and our families have been working feverishly <laughs> stamping our school names on it and leveling and so and they finished um friday and really fast so yeah i've been delivering some books and we'll continue this week and i'm just so excited that these books will be in the hands of our students so yeah wow tracy for every classroom teacher to have the on level and the below level classroom libraries over a thousand books and then to have family supporting the work that's such an amazing experience yeah. and like the, i i mean the parents were just like trying so hard to work so fast to get the books into the classroom every time they finish they're like we're done with one set go go put them go give them to the teachers they just wanted them in the classroom right away so so how are the books getting into the classroom um i've been <laughs> i've been delivering them and actually for one class mrs lou's class Rashid delivered them and the kids were so excited when I walked in with the boxes and Mrs. Liu said, oh, Rashid delivered our library and the kids went crazy and it was just adorable to know that Rashid delivered the books and they all said thank you to Rashid. So that was cute. But yeah, I've been um, hauling them into the classrooms, which I don't mind at all. And, and honestly, just seeing the kids say, wow, that was, that makes it totally worth it. You deserve yeah, a massage. I do in the 95 degree heat. So. <laughs> <laughs> or 100, whatever it was that day. But it's all good. I like, I mean, it was great to see the kids excited. So. All right. So talking about Rashid, name study, phonics, we are excited to announce that our punch party's coming up. Yay! It'll be at my house. Um, Tracy's address <laughs> will be disclosed once you RSVP. Punch party invitations have already been sent out to teachers um, who are piloting the units of study in phonics or who are teaching the units of study in phonics, mm -hmm. I should say. So I wonder, we should let like 
outside of rolling income. Oh, anyone is invited. Anyone yes. who has strong finger dexterity, <laughs> you are welcome to come. So if you're not part of Rolling Unified, um, just send us a message on Twitter. Yeah. Or on our email. What's our email? Between the ladies at gmail.com. Yeah, I think it's B-E-T-W-E-E-N. Um, yeah. Anyone is welcome to come as long as you have strong finger dexterity. <laughs> How the punch party started was... Um, since you have to punch out so many of the cards, um, we just decided to call it Punch Party. They are punch parties happening nationwide. Um, I coined the term on the Facebook group. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I've been to three punch parties already, but our punch party is going to be amazing because we will also be not raffling. What's the other term? Drawing. There will be a drawing for an authentic mascot. Yay! This mascot came straight from New York City. Yay! And came by plane with us. Yes. Um, we will not tell you which mascot it is, but there will definitely be a drawing for a mascot. Yes. All you have to bring is any materials that you want to punch out. Please bring a friend. Um, to help. With strong finger dexterity. <laughs> um, there will be a lot of, there, there will be punch there. It's a potluck. Um, invitations um, were sent out. And if you'd like to come, just let us know. <laughs> So last time we had a summer series and that revolved around teachers college and readers workshop and um, writers workshop. So for our fall series, we're going to work on our readerly lives. And we've been talking about how, you know, we really want students to have reading identities. And we felt that in order to understand their identities, we kind of have to understand our own identities as readers. Yeah, and especially in the beginning of the year, we're doing so much work doing reading interest surveys and really learning about who our kids are, not only as readers, but also as people and how their experiences have shaped their identities, um, both as people and as readers. Mm -hmm. um, and we, Tracy and I both felt that in order to really do this work, we have to do that self-reflection and really right. look upon ourselves and think about um, how our own experiences have shaped our reading identities too. Yeah. So Tracy, how was your readerly life as a child? Um, honestly, I don't remember reading a lot as a child. I remember uh, reading in school and it was just books that, you know, my teacher, my teachers gave me. But I have this image of wanting to read a lot because I saw a lot of my friends read a lot. And I remember... Mm -hmm. I have older siblings, and they were in college at the time when I was in elementary school. And I remember my sister gave me this book, Hansel and Gretel. Mm -hmm. And I remember that was like the only book I owned in the home. And I read it all the time. And I, I, I mean, I wanted, because I just wanted to keep reading. And I remember I, had, I wanted to do, some, to, to do something differently with the book, so I adapted it into a play. So Aww. I made it into play. And then I remember I would change lines, like the, what the witch would say or what Hansel would say. Or so I remember that book. It was green. I, I vividly remember that book. So that was, um, that's what was the image I had. And I don't remember having a lot of books in the house. Um, I do remember my sister, who is uh, 12 years older than I am, taking me to the library. And I was very, I was what would you call... A reluctant reader. I just mm -hmm. didn't want to read. I, I wanted to play. I wanted to watch TV. And reading, I would have stacks of books for my summer reading. I Maybe out of the 20 books I checked out, I would read like two. 
I but just, it was your sister. She was the one who would take you to the library. Yes, yes. She would take me to the library when she was home for the summer from college. And we would go to the library. And yeah, I would. that was my experience in terms of a childhood. I don't... And it was just always... Um, I don't think I had a positive experience because, like, when I when people ask me, you know, what do you remember? How how, how did you learn to read? Uh-huh. And it was always negative. For example, my first grade, um, I wanted to read. I think it was the Three Little Bears, mm-hmm. but I I know it wasn't my level because mm-hmm. my teacher told me you're not supposed to read the. You, I was I was supposed to read a specific book that she assigned, and I wanted to read. The Three Little Bears because someone else read it and that mm-hmm. someone else spoke English very well. Uh-huh. And I knew that because I was an immigrant. Mm-hmm. Um, but I read it anyway. <laughs> and so when she, you know, she came to me and asked me about a book I read, I said, oh, I read The Three, you know, The Three Little Bears. And I, she, I felt shunned for reading a book I wasn't supposed to read. And she scolded me, and she used me as an example. She's like, you're supposed to read the book that I tell you to, and look at what she did. She read the wrong book. And I was so shunned. <laughs> I was so embarrassed. And, yeah, that was a very negative experience, having been told that I couldn't read a book that I wanted to read. Wow, Tracy. So I'm just thinking about how – first you talked about Hansel and Gretel, and here – you're talking about all of the dramatic play and that kind of processing work that you're doing with Hands on Gretel mm-hmm. and how much of an asset it is to take reading and do the dramatic play and then um, alter some of the language. That's what we teach in reading workshop anyway. Um, and then, like, that's such a huge asset. But then your experience in school, um, even as early as first grade, was this, was, was this reading trauma. We talk, right. about, we talk a lot about math trauma also, but, like, this was a real experience with reading trauma and, and how that really kind of shaped your did you do you think you had a positive or negative reading identity like did you feel I like think you I had a really I think I had a negative identity you know when we're ta- as we're talking that that incident happened in first grade and that's when my sister left to college so the summer mm-hmm. after I was just refused to read and I wonder if that had to do anything if that had anything to do with it but like because I was shunned for reading a book I wanted to read, I just shut down and just chose not to read. <laughs> I made the decision to not read as a child. And, you know, growing, getting older from in my elementary school years, I don't remember being excited to read. I don't remember saying, let's go to the library and read. I, I don't have that. I don't remember reading at home. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah. And we talk a lot about, you know, student choice and always giving students the choice to read and thinking about your choice to to read the three bears, um, like the the information that you took to make that choice. Or the choice, three little pigs, whatever it was. Yeah, <laughs> three, three little pigs, three bears. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I always get those two books mixed up as a child all the time. Yes. Um, but you made that choice because almost for social capital, right? Like you wanted to be um, – like you wanted to have that social capital as someone who you saw was being a proficient English speaker. And you came when you were three, right? Mm-hmm. I came to the country when I was three. And how powerful is a message it is that you wanted to read a book to show that you were a proficient English speaker and then you were, you know, shunned for that experience. Yeah, and I just want, and you know, and I thinking about it, it's like how, 
could have my parents supported me to become a reader? And honestly, it's like, maybe they just didn't know how, Mm -hmm. you know? So, so my sister kind of took that reign, like by taking me to the library and such, but still with that experience was just so negative that I just didn't want anything to do with books, but. And then we talk, and and then your experience informed your parenting because, you know, Mm -hmm. your experience with Emma has been so much so different, right? Yeah, like I read to her every night. I would, you know, get just throw books into her room, like look at all the books you can read and we go to the library and yeah, it's because I didn't want her to have that negative experience that I had as a child, so. But you know, my adult experience is totally different. Tell us about your adult experience as a reader. So, um... You know, you usually have that reading. I mean, you, you read for your courses, you know, all these books you have to read for classes and stuff. And I think what made me enjoy reading more is being able to talk about books with my friends. Not mm-hmm. just necessarily b- through book clubs, but just like um, at lunch. Hey, have you guys read this? Mm-hmm. And they would recommend it. And I built my curiosity. And I would read it. And I would call my friends saying, hey, I read this. And we were able to talk about the book and give our opinions about the book and talk about the characters. And that's when I started loving books again. Because I was, one, it was something I was interested in. And then I was able to talk about it with other people. So um, a couple years ago, I went to um, TC for the Reading Institute. And um, I think it was Debbie Miller who was there speaking. And she talked about how... You know, we have people who are literate, and we have people who are illiterate. Illiterate. But we also have people who are illiterate who make the choice not to read. Mm -hmm. And for a while, I felt like I was illiterate. I Mm. made the choice not to read, and I didn't want to be that. I wanted to be like, you know, I want to read. I Mm -hmm. should. I used. I love reading. I grew up with Judy Bloom books, and what I liked about Judy Bloom is she her books changed. Because her audience changed. Yeah. So I was like, oh, yeah, Judy Bloom, Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I can read Judy Bloom. So, and then just like I said, mentioned earlier, just being able to connect with people through books. Yeah, I believe reading is inherently social. And one of the things that really draws me to workshop is, we, is that partnership time, is the book clubs. Mm-hmm. And we teach kids that reading is social. It is not a, a, something that you can't, it's something you can do in isolation, but many times it is something that we do for the social aspect too. Right. And, you know, just talk, it shouldn't be an assignment. Right. Right. It's always an invitation. Reading is always an invitation. Right. So, yeah, so that's kind of my experience. I don't know if I answered your questions, but it's just like brief moments I would remember about my childhood in terms of my reading identity. I'm like, oh, you know, made me think, like I'll see a kid read a book and that will trigger memory or something of my, as my, um, as for me as a child. So things but like that. How do you think your experience with reading as a child and into adulthood, how do you think that has informed your teaching or your coaching now? Oh, for sure. Like I just, I don't want a child to go through what I went through. Mm-hmm. I want a child to read whatever he or she wants. You know, I want them to have that option of choice, the option of... Um, um, engagement with the book just and being able to be you know talk about the book with the teacher like mm-hmm. I wasn't able to talk about the book with a teacher because she re- refused to let me read it so mm-hmm. opportunities for that and just grow into the love of reading I mean 
I'm glad I'm learning to love reading now. I wish I learned to love reading as a child. Yeah. So that's how I see it. So Ashley, tell me or tell the audience, like, what was life like as a child in terms of your reading identity? I have um, three moments that really stand out to me, like three and a half moments that really stand out to me that have really shaped my reading identity. The first one, um, I haven't really shared these stories with very many people, um, but actually at that back to school night when um, I shared my own story and, and I told the families that I'm gonna be really vulnerable in sharing my story with you and, and I, I wanna ask you to be brave and to share your story with me. Um, I felt like that that's how we were really building those authentic connections and, and so I feel like for me and you, Tracy, we're both being very vulnerable now and I hope that when we have some guests on and they share their stories with us also that we get a little glimpse into their lives too. But um, the first was at third, third grade and um, when I started kindergarten, I only spoke Vietnamese but um, most of my peers were Mexican or Guatemalan so my peers spoke Spanish and then all of my teachers spoke English. So for, I was confused for like a really, really long time. Yeah. I was the only Asian student in my school. Um, and so I, I learned playground Spanish because how I could communicate with my peers. Um, and so in third grade, I remember the school that I went to, you would always get on the first day of school a backpack and the backpack would be filled with supplies like pencils and, and crayons, like that some business would donate to our school because um, we didn't have any of those things. And I remember every day I would come home and I was so serious about remembering to bring the pencil that I got from school home so I could do my homework every day. And I remember one day I came home from school and for whatever reason I forgot my pencil at school or like I lost it or something like that and I couldn't do my homework. And I, and I was searching all over the house for a pencil and my grandma comes in and I'm like on the verge of tears. But I don't have the academic language in Vietnamese to ask for a pencil. I didn't mm -hmm. know how to say pencil. I only knew how to say pen. Um, and I said, I really need a pen to do my homework. And my grandma's like, okay, well, I'm sure we can find a pen. So we look all over the house. We can't find a pen. We finally find a pen under the sink. Um, and I take the pen to do my homework. But I know in the back of my head that my teacher has made it very clear that third graders do their homework in pencil. We're not allowed to use pen. Mm -hmm. um, that's all I had. And so I went to school the next day, and I turned in my homework. And I remember my teacher was furious. And like in your example, he held up my paper, and he said to the class, what is wrong with this homework? And the kid said, it's done in pen. And so I remember he tore the paper in wow. half yeah. and he put it in the trash. And, you know, I was devastated. I missed recess or got detention or whatever. And I just, I think back to that experience all the time because I just think how powerful would it have been if the teacher just had asked me, why is your homework done in pen? And what a different conversation that would have been like. And so since then, you know, I just... I was very good at stealing pencils because I didn't want that to ever happen to me again. And so I'd, I'd always had a stash of pencils at home now. Mm -hmm. In fourth grade, I moved to a different school district that was much more diverse ethnically and socioeconomically. Um, and I remember the first day of school was very striking because we didn't get a backpack with supplies. You had to bring your own stuff, which my family didn't know that. But I remember that in fourth grade, one of our homework assignments was to read a book and write a summary. Um, and I had gotten really good at stealing pencils by then, so I, I, like, I had the pencil. I, I totally had the pencils and all that stuff. I, I could do that. But there was no way that I could get a book. Mm -hmm. I mean a book to read? Right. Right. Like, my family, we didn't have access to libraries, but even if we did, I don't know if my family would have, like, the cultural capital or the access to know how to navigate a library. Right. Um, and so I, 
I didn't know what to do because I didn't have, I just didn't have a book to read. I didn't have any book, I didn't have any books in my home. And I remember that I wrote a story, like I had made up a story and I, and I had written a story, like I was trying to like fake it. Like I, I wrote a story, like, I don't know. Um, and I, but my teacher knew that, that I did not read a story. And then I remember I missed recess for that. And my teacher and I, we never had a conversation about um, books or like why I didn't do that assignment or you know why I faked it. And I remember just missing recess that day. Um, I think from there, we had books assigned, and so then, or we, we started going to the library, the school library, so then I think I was okay. But I only, every time we had to do a reading log or a reading assignment, I only had that one book that was assigned to me. Mm -hmm. I never had any other choices mm -hmm. in books or anything like that. And funny, in um, the book Whisperer, Donald Miller talks about how a lot of her students didn't, their experience of having choice with books was a very new experience yeah. for them, so yeah. Oh, you guys are doing a book study, right? Yeah, reading Book Whisper as a school. Book Whisper is one of my favorite yeah, books of all time. it's a great book. I've read it already, but it's always great to read again. That's so, cool, you guys yeah. are doing a book study on that. Sorry, off task, but. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so that was my experience in fourth grade. Um, and so I think a lot about like the materials or and, and access that we have, and that's why I'm really I'm so passionate about making sure that our classroom libraries are, are in our libraries and that the books belong to the kids. Mm -hmm. So I'm so passionate about making the statement that books are not for teachers, they're for kids, mm -hmm. and that kids should be taking home books every day, on weekends, on breaks. And I, I cannot guarantee that kids will read books at home, but I know that when they take books in their book bags home, it significantly increases their chance of doing that reading. Yeah. Opportunities, right? Right. Yeah. Um, and so in, in ninth grade, I was 14 years old, maybe 10th, let me think, ninth or 10th grade, I was mm -hmm. 14, I remember I was 14. Um, my teacher gave me this book, this is the book that made me a reader. This was in, um, from Striving to Thriving, they call it a watershed book, the, the one book that you get that makes you a reader. Um, and she gave me the book, The Joy Luck Club. Oh, yeah. It was the first book that I ever got that had a character that looked like me. Mm -hmm. It was the first book that I ever read that had an experience that mirrored my own experience. Right. Um, and if you have known me for a long time, you know that my value system is based on joy. And I'm all about joy all the time. That's like my one word. That's my value system. And one of the reasons is, is, is because this experience. Um, and that's the book that made me a reader. Um, and I still have that first copy. I, read, I still read it like once, at least once a year, just like for the nostalgia. Um, but I, And I think a lot about our classroom libraries and how we want books as mirrors and windows and sliding glass doors. But that was the first book that I owned. I was 14. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't own a book until I was 14 years old. And I think a lot about, you know, how can we have that experience much earlier? For our own children, they've had it before they went to school. Right. And for my kindergartners on the first day of school, I gave every kid a book. Every, I gave every kid a book. I wrote a letter inside of the book you know, that said, you are a reader, I love you, I'm so excited to be your, to be your teacher this year, I'm so mm -hmm. excited you're in my class this year, because on day one, I want every single child to know that they are a reader and that they have books in their home. Right. Um, so I think that's one of the experiences that's really shaped my experience um, or informed my instruction. Um, yeah, so I was 14 on that one. And then when I got married um, or met my husband, he is truly a voracious reader. In Book Whisper, Dolan Miller says, like in the very beginning, like think about a reader you know who you really admire. Mm -hmm. You know the person who always like 
no matter where they are, they have a book with right. them. Like, who is that person? And that person is my husband. Uh-huh. He is like, I've just never met any a reader like him before. Like, he takes my daughter to the library, our daughter to the library. <laughs> <laughs> Every week, it's like their sacred time. But he will check out like five or six books a week. He, and he will just, he reads constantly all the time. He listens to podcasts on the way to work, on his commute. Um, he reads just like, just like constantly, he's just constantly reading and he retains all the information. And he reads a variety of genres though. Like, like even sometimes when I'm reading, like I read a lot of middle grade fiction. One of the reasons why I miss teaching upper grade because I read a lot of middle grade fiction. But like I read Front Desk and I was like, you have to read this, you know? And here he is reading Front Desk, mm-hmm. you know? And, and he just, he will read all of my like um, steamy romance novels <laughs> and stuff. Like if I'm reading something that I'm really excited about, he will read it too. He's not afraid to, he's not afraid to abandon books. That's something that I'm afraid of. He's not afraid to, to I've only, there's only one book that I've ever abandoned. <laughs> we won't talk about it. No, I don't. I really, no. I, I, he's not afraid to abandon books. He's not afraid to try new genres. He just has so much, um, like, I feel like he has so much readerly freedom. Mm-hmm. And he's not afraid to read anything either. And so talking to his mom, you know, his mom told me that he, she read to him up until high school. Mm-hmm. Like, she, was read, she would read a chapter of Harry Potter to him every night. Um, and so I think about my husband a lot. And he's the one who t- really taught me how to have choice in books and how to how to choose books. So mm-hmm. he's the one who took me to the library. Like, as an adult, he was like, I'm going to get you a library card. <laughs> wow, yeah. I mean, I didn't get a library card until I was an adult. Like, he's like, this is, you know, like, this is how you talk to the librarian. I've never, I've never talked to a librarian before. You can tell her your interest, and she will help you find the right books. And he would tell me things like, you know, we'd go to the library together, and, and he would say, like, you know, Ashley really likes this book, what are some other books that readers who like this book like? Mm-hmm. And, you know, when we're doing classroom libraries at school, that's some of the bins that we have, right? If you liked reading um, Smile by Raina, you might also like this book. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he really shaped me as a reader today. And I didn't really become a really avid reader until um, I really met him, I think. I think when I was 14 and I read Joy Luck Club, that's the book that jump-started me to become a reader. Right. But it wasn't until I met someone who knew how to access libraries, how to read, and how to choose books mm-hmm. that I, I became a reader that, that I've always wanted to be. That's a great story. And you talked about going to the library. And um, I think I'm more of a reader because we have that digital access. Mm-hmm. And Dr. Mm-hmm. John Stallman shared Libby the app. Shout out to John. <laughs> yeah, Libby the app. Now you can get, you can go to the library without going to the library. So because it's so easy and so accessible, like I'm reading books through Libby and I'm reading more, I feel like I'm reading more in this year than I've read in the past five years. So it's just crazy because it's just, like we talk about opportunity, that's my opportunity. Mm -hmm. I can just look up for digital books and I can read right there. And it's totally an access Yeah, so yeah, just having access to books, just not as adults, but as children. Yeah, so I'm just thinking, just I have like this idea in my mind, like parents, how can we get them on board with this too, or family, so yeah. Well, Tracy, <laughs> we, you are planning a family engagement <laughs> yeah. workshops pretty soon. Pretty soon, we'll get there once the dust settles, but we're doing it, we're going to do something else that we plan, that's yeah. later. <laughs> so yeah, just access, opportunity. And choice. And choice, mm-hmm. right. And all, all, all attention to the And I feel like too. at Jellic, we, we're giving, definitely giving students access. Definitely. Definitely opportunities and definitely choice. So, 
Yeah, we're, I, I feel like for Jolly, we're on the right track, and here we go. <laughs> yeah, I think one thing that I'm really excited about is all the work that we're doing as teachers and as a coach to support reading and writing workshop. Um, I think something that's really special about it is that it really mirrors our own experience mm -hmm. in our journey to become readers. Yes. I think to me that really reflects how authentic the workshop experience is, that we're not just telling kids this is how you become a reader, but it's, it's really also our personal journey. This is how we became readers too. Yeah. So That's we special. hope, yeah, as we, you know, meet new people and interview other people, it's exciting to hear what they have to say and how they became readers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this week is very exciting. Yes. Because Tracy and I are interviewing two special guests this week. Both with the initials JM. <laughs> Guess who? <laughs> Guess who? Um, so our reading identity series is going to be coming out this um, the whole fall, right? For fall, the fall series. That's tune in Tuesdays. Yay! Is, is it every other Tuesday? About. <laughs> That's we'll our goal. See. We'll see. <laughs> That's our goal. That's our goal. Um, so thank you so much for listening. Thanks for opening up and showing our uh, showing your vulnerability. Thank you for sharing, Tracy. I feel like I learned from you today yeah, too. Yeah, it's great. That's what podcasts are for. Yes. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Between, Between the, the Ladies. ladies.